0: So glad to have you. I feel like I'm off balance. I'm right. I'm going to try to fix it, but there's a surge protector in my way. That's what happens. Uh, so glad to have you here tonight. I've been looking forward to this night this week. We, we're continuing the conversation, our series in the Psalms, and we're talking about the Psalms because the God of the Bible is a God who speaks. And, and the Psalm we're looking at tonight is actually God speaking about how God speaks. And we we've. We have this sense as Christians that we're supposed to know how to make the connection between what we believe and how to live out a relationship with God. And we often don't know how to do it. And the Psalms help us. They give us a voice. They are the place where God gives us words to speak back to him. We talked last week about what it looks like to speak to God in the midst of our pain. And then uh, tonight we're going to talk about what it looks like to speak to God when we don't feel like listening to him. How to speak to God when uh, we don't really feel like spending time with Him. Or where we just don't know how to get in that rhythm. Or when we do, it feels bland and boring and, and disconnected. So we're going to look at Psalm 19. It's printed for you in your uh, handout if you have it. Or you can look in your Bible. Looking at Psalm 19 tonight. So it would be great if you'd follow along with me. Psalm 19, to the choir master, a psalm of David. And like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. And he gives it to us because he loves us. You pray with me and then we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you that you speak to us. And we pray that now as we listen, as we look to your word, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you because you are our rock and our refuge. Spirit, I pray that you would be at work through this word right now in us so that we might love you more, so that we might love your word, and so that we might love one another. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that I really love about this job is the the chance that I get to to know you guys over the years. The chance I get to see you guys grow up from freshmen to seniors, and the chance that I get to see some of you hopefully uh, continue walking and learning and growing after college—it's a really, it's a real encouragement to me. I got a chance to catch up with some a couple of seniors today, and i i remember them coming in gangly eighteen-year-olds, and now they're now they're men, grown up, ready for the world. And, and I and I and I think about this, and I think about what it's going to be like moving forward, and I. I hope that as you guys grow, that like, I look forward to that day when you get to experience like moving to a new city and moving into an apartment or a house uh, and getting that first paycheck and showing up at that first day of work and learning about a community in the church after college, learning about love and service of your community after college. If, if God leads you, then, then learning about love and relationship and marriage and children. And one of the things that I hope for you all someday is that you get to have the experience of trying to feed your children vegetables. I, I really want this for you because I feel like then you will finally understand what I have been talking about all this time. Feeding, feeding children vegetables is a is a universally impossible scenario. And, and the secret is that uh, vegetables are actually good. Like Maggie makes this asparagus and she does like olive oil and this like pink sea salt and she roasts it until the tips just start to get crispy. It's <laughs> like my favorite thing. Uh, and, and children, uh, we, we, we believe what scientists tell us, that vegetables are good from you, okay? I, I don't know the science. I just, I just believe it, that, uh, that vegetables make you strong, and they make you healthy, and it's like they're superfoods, too, and that's kale, and no one knows what that means, but we just accept it, right? Uh, and, you know, if you put enough butter and salt on something, it's not even really a vegetable anymore. It's like green toast at that point, but you, you, so you put these things in front of your kids, and you tell them, this is important. This is good for you. This is going to make you healthy and strong. And they just refuse to eat it. And they cross their arms and they take a stand or they negotiate with you. Well, what will you give me if I eat one of my green beans? Another green bean. Like, they, they, they chew it up. They put, they put all of it in their mouth. This is what my kids do. They put all of the vegetable in their mouth and they're very proud. And then it's too much and they have to spit it out. But they ate it because they put it in their mouth. right? And so when you're, if you're a parent, you like you compromise and you make threats and you make bribes. Well, I'll give you one M M&M and M for it. Like you know, here's what I'm talking about. This kids eating their vegetables is like Christians reading the Bible. Like it gets put in front of us, and it's this thing that we are told, like this is good for you, this is healthy for you, this is going to make you strong, this is going to make you grow. And for some reason, we say, uh, I, I just don't like vegetables. Can I have some more pizza? I just, I just don't want to get up early and read my Bible. Can I get a little bit more sleep? I don't want to pray. I just want to watch one more show on Netflix. I don't want to spend this time. I just need to work a little bit more and study a little bit more. I, I, I just don't feel like it. And when I do, when I do taste it, when I do ingest it, when I do open myself up to God's word, what if I don't like it? What if I don't understand it? What if it's bland? What if there's not enough salt on it? What if I don't appreciate it, right? And so we have this experience as Christians. Some of you are in this kind of season right now where uh, you're not even really interested in God's word. You're not even sure what you think about God. Some of you are here and you're, and you're a Christian and so you like believe in God and you have this thing and you feel like you're supposed to read it but you're just not really getting around to it. And then some of you are are reading it, but you don't like it. (laughs) Like you're reading it because you're supposed to. Because it's green and it's a superfood and you believe like hopefully it's going to make you strong. But you're kind of just like pinching your nose and closing your eyes and hoping it goes down quickly. That's what we do with God's word. And, And the beauty is that Psalm 19 is given to us to encourage us, to teach us, to inspire us when we don't feel like listening to God. When we don't feel like reading, when we don't feel like praying. Psalm 19 is a tool that God gives us to remind us how good our vegetables are for us, that they actually do something powerful for us. So what I want to do tonight is I, just want, I want to ask three questions. <coughs> the first question is, is, how do I know that God speaks words to me? How do I know that God speaks words to me? The second question is, uh, what does God's word do to me? And then the third question is, so how do I respond to God's word? So the first question, how do I know that God speaks words to me. You, you ever heard the phrase, action speaks louder than words? Psalm 19 starts with a little action speaks louder than words, because this is a psalm all about God speaking. It's all about God speaking, but you'll notice that it doesn't start with any words that God speaks. It actually starts with action. And the action, the foundational beginning of God's speaking, the beginning of God's speaking is not actually words, it's creation. The heavens declare the glory of the world, the glory of the Lord. The heavens declare it, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out, what? Speech. Actions speak louder than words, and the beginning point for God is creation. So what what God is saying is, there. if you want to see, if you want proof that God speaks, look up. Look heavenward. Look up at the sky. That's the proof. That's the starting point. He says, look at the sun. It, it may seem weird to us, but most cultures in most history have worshipped the sun. Like they've worshipped it. Because the sun, in a worldly sense, it's the source of all life. It's the source of all warmth. It's the source of all light and illumination. Everything that we need, everything that we want comes from the sun. We have a hard time wrapping our minds around that. Our, our culture today, we're really um, distanced from the sun. Like, the sun is down right now, and we're fine. We have our own lights. We don't need it. We can see in the dark, right? The sun is down. We don't care. We don't need it to warm us. We have heat. We don't need the sun to illuminate our steps. And in fact, our faces are more often illuminated by that blue screen glare of our phones than it is illuminated by the light of the sun. I, I feel like I'm actually part of the problem here. Our, our, our third daughter, Caroline, who's two, her alarm clock is an app on an old iPhone plugged into her room called Mr. Moonlight. And when it's bedtime, a moon comes up. And instead of an alarm going off, the sun comes up. So she knows she's not allowed to come downstairs until the sun comes up. It has nothing to do with the actual sun, right? We, we, we make up our own sun. We're not, we're not connected to it. The claim of God's word is that you, you want to know if God speaks to you You need to get your butt out of bed and get in the car and go to Cold Mountain and hike up while it's still dark and watch the sun come up. That's what you need to do. If you haven't ever done that, you need to do that. If you haven't done that in a while, you need to do it. You need to bring your Bible. You need to bring Psalm 19. You need to read the first two verses and see if you think God is speaking. The, the first week, I told you guys to go and look at a tree. Remember that? Did anybody go and spend time looking at a tree? A couple, a couple people looked at trees. The rest of you, you, you have to because they're everywhere, right? <coughs> I see three people looking at trees. I just that's a little, a little discouraging, but, you know. <laughs> this one's going to be even easier. Get, go watch a sunset. Go up on, you don't have to go on a hike. Go up on the Blue Ridge Parkway in your car. We live in the mountains. Okay? Bring some co-op. Go watch the sunset. God wants to prove to you. He wants to earn the right to speak to you by showing you the beauty of creation. By showing you the starry skies. By showing you the brightness and the warmth of the sun. He actually gives this to you to prove that he speaks to you. So when you're having those days and those moments, those seasons where you were just not in the mood to read God's word... When you just don't really care about it When you just don't really feel like it I want you to to do what Psalm 19 says And and don't start just trying to force it down your throat I want you to go and look at a sunset How do we know God speaks to us? Because he's shown his glory in creation He's revealed who he is Which is what God speaking does And he does it through creation So that's the first move is to go and look at the sun, okay? That's how we know that God speaks words to us. The second, what does God's word do to us? Verse 7, there's this transition. We've been talking about uh, nature. We've been talking about creation. We've been talking about the sun. And all of a sudden, he starts talking about the Bible. All of a sudden, he starts talking about the specifics of God's word. And there's all these words for scripture here. The law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the rules of the Lord. And we could spend time talking about the, the way these things like emphasize different aspects of God's word, but this is, these are all words that, that point us to, to God's word in Scripture. These are the words contained in the Old and New Testament of the Bible. And the claim, here's what he says about them, is that God's word is perfect, it's sure, it's right, it's pure, it's clean, it's true, it's desirable, and it's sweet. There's a reason why uh, every time you come to RUF after I read the Bible, I say the same things. What do I say? This is God's word, and it's it's given to us because he... I say it every time. I'm just going to keep saying it. I don't care if you don't like it. I'm sorry. I say it every time because uh, I believe that. (coughs) I, I, I stand on that, and I actually believe that if I don't have that to stand on, I don't have anything to stand on. And one of the things that we have to do as we come to something like this is we actually have to wrestle with the Bible's claims about itself that it's true, that it's pure, that it's perfect. And this is this is of course uh, reaffirmed in the New Testament, in 2 Timothy 3, where Paul says that all scripture is God-breathed, which is a really cool phrase. That the Bible is actually trustworthy and it's actually true. Uh, if if you're a normal 18 or 22-year-old, you've struggled with that at some point, you've had questions about that at some point, you've had doubts about that at some point, Uh, I'd encourage you to wrestle with that claim. Uh, That's something I actually would love to talk to you about. I think that the Bible, in a historical sense, is overwhelmingly reliable so much so that I actually trust it, because I trust what God is. I, I don't want to spend more time talking about that, but if that's a problem for you, I, I hope you come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about that. What I want to talk What I want to focus on tonight is what God's Word does to us. And here's what it says it does in verse 7. It revives the soul. It revives the soul. It injects energy and passion and life into you. How does that sound? Could you use a little bit of that right now? A little revival of the soul? What does God's word does? It says it makes wise the simple. Wisdom is the, the art of godly living. Wisdom is knowing how to discern which way to go and what to do and how to think and how to react. What do I do in this tough relationship situation? What do I do in this tough conversation? What do I do with this decision I have to make about my future? Could you use a little bit of wisdom? God's word rejoices the soul. It causes us to brim up with joy and happiness and delight, even when we're walking in darkness, even when our circumstances are not good. You have any circumstances that are not good? Could you use a little bit of rejoicing in the heart? It enlightens the eyes, it helps us to see the world how it really is. It helps us to see the places where God is actually at work in the mess of our lives. Helps us to see what's true and good and beautiful. It helps us to see what's dark and twisted and evil. It helps us to see. And in verse eleven, it, it, it serves as a warning. It protects us from the paths that lead to destruction, that lead to our own harm. That's pretty incredible stuff that God's word does. I, I want to say this. I want you to hear this really carefully. Christians are not supposed to read the Bible. Christians are not supposed to read the Bible. That's not why we read it. We read it because it revives the soul and makes wise the simple and rejoices the heart and enlightens the eyes. That's why we read it. Earlier this week, the furnace in my house broke. The fan that pumps the exhaust fumes from the gas burners broke down so it wouldn't eject these dangerous fumes, and so it shut down the burners. So for about 48 hours, we didn't have any heat in my house. And thankfully, it wasn't as cold as it's going to get in the next couple of days. But it's been a little chilly. So my house was hovering around 50 to 55 degrees for about 48 hours, which is just a little cold for a house. Okay, I'm not used to living only by the sun. I've come to kind of expect a, a certain level of accommodation and luxury. And so what we did, we had three space heaters. So we put one in the baby's room overnight so she, so the baby wasn't too cold, and put one in my two year olds' room, and then we put one in Maggie and I's room, and then Ellie and Ruthie slept like in piles of blankets on the floor in our room. And a space heater is, you know, it's okay and it kind of works and it was a little bit bearable. And then the morning we're talking like hat and gloves and coats for breakfast. Now, uh, like the first you know, at first this kind of thing's like is kind of bearable. It's not that bad. It's only fifty, it's not like it's not thirty degrees in my house at least. But after a day, after a couple of hours even Get a little grumpy Get a little irritable Start to complain Start to get that feeling of coldness That like you just can't shake It's kind of just in your bones Like you can live without heat In a house for two days But it starts to affect you Like that's that's us and the Bible Like you can go a couple days without reading your Bible And you'll be fine you can go a couple weeks without reading your Bible. Like, your salvation's not going to be lost. Jesus died for you. God's love is not going anywhere. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, His mercies never come to an end. Those things are not at stake, but after a couple days, start to get a little grumpy, start to get a little irritable, start to complain a little more, start to struggle with pride a little more, start to struggle with comparison a little more start to be distracted away from things that lead to life to things that lead to busyness to lust, to pride, to envy to self-loathing nothing is reviving your soul anymore nothing is rejoicing your heart anymore because the truth is that real rejoicing of the heart real reviving of the soul, it actually only comes through this book and it's work in your life and in your community and in your relationships and in your own heart. You are not supposed to read your Bible. You read it because it is the avenue of what we talked about the first week. It's the avenue of blessing in your life. And so if you want more of that stuff, the place to look, the way to to spend your time is, is to attend to God's word as more of a priority in your life. I think that God knows that this is really, really hard for us. And so he gives us this this challenging question in verse 10. More to be desired are they, those are the rules of God, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. The question is, what's most precious to you in your life? What's more precious to you? Time, reading the Bible, or 15 more minutes of sleep? How would your life say you have to honestly answer that question? What's more important to you, spending 10 more minutes working on an assignment or the thing that's going to revive your soul? What's more important to you? What's more precious to you? What's sweeter to you, God's word or partying with your friends? That's the challenge for us. And the encouragement is that as you start to treat it more precious in your life, it opens you up to blessing. It opens you up to this work that it does in you. Now, this is not a formula. You cannot plug this into an equation. Well, I've been doing this 20 days in a row. Why haven't like, I should expect X amount of blessing? That's not how it works, right? God does not quantify this for us. But you will see the fruit of this in your life over time. You will. Because that's what it does. Because it's alive. Because that's a living and active. What does god's word do to us it actually opens up the blessing last question tonight how do we respond to god's word we we see god revealing his glory and creation he reveals the avenue to blessing to us in his word and now how do we respond i'm going to read verses 12 to 14 one more time who can discern his errors declare me innocent from hidden faults keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins let them not have dominion over me Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, it's no shock that we have a hard time prioritizing God's word in our lives. Because when we do, the the response of what God's word is and what it does is to let it examine our lives to let it examine our lives to let it challenge our lives to let it speak into our lives and our hearts and our decisions and our words and our actions and our behavior and our relationships the response is to let it examine us he says hidden sins, those things I'm not even sure about show them to me presumptuous sins the things I know I shouldn't be doing like keep me from them I want to be blameless hear the earnestness there and the desperation there? Now, my, my sense is that um, there are some things where we have no problem letting God's word examine us. He shall not murder. We're pretty comfortable with that one, right? Like, unfortunately, this happens in the world. I think it's safe to say everyone in this room would like pretty much agree I don't think that's a good idea and I see it in God's word and I haven't murdered anyone so I'm like kind of in line we're all on the same page. It's all good, right? But, but there's a lot of things in our lives that we are too scared to let God's word examine. Or we refuse to let God's word examine. Or maybe we've just never done it. We've just never thought about it. We've never had something in our, there's areas of our lives that we've never reflected on. It's like, where, where can I look in God's word to show me how I might be thinking about this? What about what the Bible says about the love of money and how dangerous that is? Have you you let that examine the goals you have for your life and your future and your job and the lifestyle that you want? Have you let that examine that part of your heart? What about what God's Word says about avoiding situations that lead to temptation and pursuing purity? Have you let that examine your life as you think about What to do when your boyfriend wants to spend the night? What to do when you have that free time and no one's watching? Have you let that examine you? What about what the Bible says about loving your neighbor? Have you let that examine the social circles that you run in and the way you treat people who are not in your circles? The way you treat people who are difficult, who are awkward, who are annoying? What about what the Bible says about avoiding drunkenness? Have you let that examine the way your social life goes here? Or would you rather not think about it? What about what the Bible says about emphasizing rest? Have you let that examine your schedule? Your commitments, your busyness, how much you work? What What about what the Bible says about friendship? The way it commands us to welcome the rebuke of a friend and to speak truth and love to our friends. Have you let that examine your relationships or do you feel like it's just never your place to call anybody else out? If we want to follow God's word, we're going to have to let it speak into our lives. We're going to have to let it it examine us. This is actually the mark of of a Christian is that we trust God enough to let his word examine us because we believe that our vegetables are actually good for us. They actually make us strong. They actually make us courageous. They actually make us loving. They actually make us generous. They actually make us fruitful. Now, my, again, some of you, even after hearing this, I imagine, especially if you're not a Christian here tonight, which I'm sure some of you are, but even if you are, that you're you're just not really sure how you feel about the Bible you're just not really sure if God is really the kind of God who speaks and if he's even really out there. And so my encouragement to you, if that's you, is to go and look at the sunset and bring your Bible and pull up Psalm 19 and just read those first four (coughs) verses and ask God, are you speaking? And pay attention to what you feel. Do you feel anything in that moment? Some of you are believing, but you're not reading you just don't want to maybe you feel like you don't know how to and you don't know where to start maybe you just don't have the energy maybe you're not in the mood for it I want you to pick up Psalm 19 and I want you to read it and I want you to look at those lists of what God's word does and I want you to think does that sound good to me and if it does ask God to give it to you So, God I, I want to be revived I want to have rejoicing in my heart I want wisdom I want enlightenment I want to taste this sweetness that you say is in your word. And then others of you are, are reading God's word. It's actually a part of your lives, But and of course this is true for all of us. There's areas of your life that you're holding back. Things that you just, you just hope no one sees, you hope no one brings up, you hope no one mentions. You certainly hope you don't come across a part in the Bible that's going to make you have to change what you want to do. I want you to read Psalm 19. I want you to put a bookmark in your Bible at Psalm 19. And I want you to read it and I want you to pray that last, those last three verses. Do you have the courage to say, God, will you show me my, even my hidden sins, the ones I don't even know about? Because I, I want to be blameless. Verse 10 talks about this great reward. And some of you have experienced this in some kind of measure the, the freedom and the peace that comes through obedience, the joy that comes from a clear conscience. It's a beautiful thing. It's actually far more joyful than that feeling you get, that fleeting feeling you get when you do something that you know contradicts God's word. As you hear this sort of talk tonight, as you read this sort of psalm, uh, there can be a couple of temptations. One temptation is just to kind of ignore it. Look, this isn't really for me. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. I'm just going to let this pass right past me and I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Others of you are feeling that, that sinking feeling of whoops. There's some stuff I've held back and you're feeling bad about yourself right now. And I want to remind you and encourage you what God says in the Psalms that his mercies never come to an end. They're like a surging waterfall that you're looking at waiting for it to run dry and it never ever does. And when you come to him, you only experience (laughs) grace and love and forgiveness. My, my hope and my prayer and my expectation is that as you think about these things, as you pray this psalm, as you look at the sun, that you actually will feel something. I expect that you will because the thing that you actually encounter when you lean into God's word is Jesus himself who is the ultimate speaking of God. He is the word made flesh. He is the living word. He is the speaking of God as a man. And so, just as he is the embodiment of the word, he is embodied in the word. You're not supposed to read it, but when you do, if you do, you'll be blessed because you'll encounter Jesus and his love for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to us and thank you that you help us to know what we should do when we do not feel like listening or when we're too scared to listen or too bored or too distracted, when it feels like we're not getting anything out of it. Lord, I pray that you would uh, use the glory of your creation to remind us that you actually do speak to us. You actually are in the business of revealing yourself to us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, fill our hearts with a desire to be changed in the ways that are expressed here, revived, rejoiced, enlightened, made wise. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the trust in you and the courage to bring before you the things in our lives that need to be examined. I pray you'd help us to be the kind of friends to each other to encourage that. Because we want to be blameless. We want that great reward. We want that freedom that comes from obedience. Lord, we need your grace and mercy. Thank you that you give us grace and mercy, that you are a forgiving God as we, as we traverse this journey, as we walk and stumble and have false starts and one step forward and two steps back. Thank you for your love and kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank <laughs> you.